You know when you search for something on Netflix, what you get is only a fraction of what they really have? The streaming service actually has more than 18,000 titles globally, but only about 6,000 of those are available in the good old US of A. That means you're missing out on literally thousands of great shows. Unless, of course, you use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is an app that lets you change your online location, protecting your devices from unwanted snooping and allowing you to control where streaming services and other websites think you're located. There are over 100 different locations to choose from, which means you have access to thousands of new shows and movies no matter where you live. This doesn't just work with Netflix, it works with Disney+, Hulu, Max, a UK streamer called BBC iPlayer, and more. I was on a work trip in the UK during the final season of Game of Thrones, and I tried logging into my HBO account to watch a new episode, but the technology wouldn't let me because of geoblocking. And I wish I had this app at that moment, because I now realize how incredibly easy it is to work around that problem. Here's a more recent example. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is not streaming on Netflix in the US, but I just fired up the episode where Dennis tries to have a peaceful mental health day, and technology keeps interrupting his plans. All I had to do was open ExpressVPN, connect to a UK server, refresh Netflix, and the show just popped up. It's super easy. I've also heard good things about that show called Billions, but I've never been a Showtime subscriber, so I've never seen it. But it's actually available right now on Netflix in South Korea, and with ExpressVPN, it took five seconds to switch over and start checking it out. With ExpressVPN, you get high-quality streaming from devices like your phone, laptop, tablet, and TV, and crucially, it protects your privacy and security to keep your information safe from hackers. Stop missing out on great TV and get thousands of new shows with ExpressVPN. We got them to give you all three extra months free when you use our special link, expressvpn.com slash slash film. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slash film to get three extra months completely free. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Home Daily for Friday, October 14th, 2022. On today's episode, we're going to have a spoiler filled discussion about She Hulk, episode nine. Whose show is this? And this is the, the finale, so we got a lot to talk about. Uh, this is Slash Home Editorial Director Peter Soretta, and joining me on today's podcast, Slash Home Editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. Okay, Brad, um, before we get into this week's episode, we did get a couple emails. One of them I'm going to read in feedback. One of them I think is better for speculation because it talks about stuff that happens in this episode. Okay. First to Nathan from Canada. He writes in, uh, that the moment with Matt Murdock where he says, I'm Daredevil, you can actually hear the Netflix Daredevil theme playing in the background. Could that little Daredevil theme subtly imply that these two universes are one and the same? What do you think, Brad? I mean, it's possible. Uh, you know, it could have just been a, a fun Easter egg nod as well. Um, but, you know, we'll we'll see. I think we actually wrote an article about, about that little tidbit, too. Yeah. I also think that, like, you know, even if the Daredevil that we saw in the Netflix shows was a different universe or multiverse, whatever you want to say, it, it's it's okay for them to have the same theme too. <laughs> so, so I don't I don't think it proves anything either way. I am still under the belief that he's of the same universe, but uh, Brad, you still disagree with me there. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it would make more sense if he wasn't and it's probably easier for them to do if he wasn't um so yeah yeah it just, it just makes more sense to me okay uh nathan also said uh he's replying to us last week he said you said that the only way to get hulk blood from she hulk is her in her hulk form not to play the um actually card but didn't jennifer walters get her she hulk powers from bruce's blood even while in regular human form i think having extra strong vibranium syringe just makes it easier to get blood regardless from her form. And I think we found out in this episode that that was possible or maybe it wasn't because the, the whole thing was rewritten in the episode. Also that that's potential that's, that's potentially true, but we also saw that there are some differences between uh, Incredible Hulk and She-Hulk as far as how, you know, their 
powers manifest and especially since bruce has messed with his uh you know chemical makeup and also has been able to control switching between himself and being an out of control hulk and uh smart hulk then maybe that has also changed how his body reacts to injuries and that kind of thing that's true as well okay uh let's get into our brief reactions for this episode i'll go first uh this was such a fun episode i you know you've been listening to this podcast so you know that as a whole this whole season so far i've been kind of uh as the kids say uh it's kind of mid and uh this episode was exceptional it was one of the most fun episodes of marvel television that i've seen thus far that said i'm a little left a little of like was all these storylines for i don't know it's it, it feels like a lot of the plot lines ended up being rewritten at the last second i'm not sure how i feel about that in retrospect but we can talk about that later um i did wish that they used more of this clever fun fourth wall breaking meta stuff throughout the entire series i feel like it just came in in like little bits here and there and i feel like this was just like such a fun episode brad what did you think yeah i agree wholeheartedly um as somebody who has been relatively disappointed and just kind of shrugging at the way that they've been breaking the fourth wall and the the quality of the comedy writing uh this felt it was on par with what i loved about episode eight and even uh took that fourth wall breaking to a really clever and sharply written uh meta level like the, the rest of the fourth wall breaking stuff throughout the um first season really just felt like an extra tidbit that allowed her to like act as the show's narrator and like make, you know, kind of cutesy comments here and there, kind of like Deadpool light basically. Um, and this really just like kind of played with it in the way, same way that the She-Hulk uh, comics do. J- uh, our own Jacob Hall uh, recently caught up on, on She-Hulk and uh, saw the finale immediately. And he loves uh, the, the comic book line that inspired uh, this like style of She-Hulk storytelling. Uh, and he really felt like it fit right in with what Marvel Comics has done with the character when it comes to her um, breaking the fourth wall and having the, these meta jokes and, and commentary and whatnot. And so it was, yeah, it was uh, very well done. A lot of fun. Um, I, I do have like some reservations slash like nitpicks about like what they do and uh, how they do it and whether or not it it is <laughs> potentially quite as clever as you think. Um, but I still, it doesn't keep me from appreciating it and, and enjoying it when I, uh, when it happened. Yeah. I feel like while I was watching it, I was like jumping up and down. Like, is this happening? Is this like, I don't know. I was so excited. But then after the fact, when I was rewatching it, I was like, this was fun, but, uh, I don't know. It does like it is kind of weird how this finale episode kind of undoes a lot of the the setups of the season and kind of is like, no, we're not going to do the finale that we've been building up to. We're going to do this other thing. (laughs) And uh, the other things, I mean, as a whole, it was I I don't really have any qualms with that. Like, I don't really I can't I can't get upset about it, but at from a storytelling level it it kind of seems messy what do you think uh yeah that's one of my i think bigger complaints about it but let's 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 wait until we actually get to the the ending to talk about the specifics of that okay let's get into the breakdown um the the episode opens up with a opening credits scene we've never seen a or an open credits uh title sequence whatever you want to call it uh like they used to have back in the day. And it's basically the old Incredible Hulk TV series, but with She-Hulk. And, oh my God, this was like such a, an amazing way to open up this episode. And I loved how much it looked like the old show. They didn't just like put a filter over clips from the season, which would have been the cheap, easy way of doing it. They like completely uh, refilmed everything for the gag. Not only refilmed stuff, like the... Like, if you watch the original Incredible Hulk opening, like, some of the sets and stuff are completely recreated. Like, the framing and everything. It's just, like, um, just great. Yeah, this was a very cool way to pay tribute to that original show. And they really did do a good job taking the time to do it. You know, I'm I'm sure a lot of that probably ended up being 
you know, visual effects rather than actually building sets. Although the, the sets were probably cheap enough that maybe it was cheaper to just do have actual sets <laughs> built for those sort of things. Um, you know, and I like the little Mark Ruffalo appearance where they even have him kind of like doing cheesy, you know, 1970s <laughs> TV show kind of acting, you know, with his dramatic look and whatnot. Um, but yeah, this was a very cool way to open it. Yeah. And it was also another way for them to do a different opening title gag, which I wish they did for every single episode. This time it was the Savage She-Hulk, which is actually a name of one of the comic book runs. Yeah. And yeah. Um, okay. So it's revealed that this is all just a dream. It's a fun way to open up the episode. Jen is in that super maximum security prison run by the Department of Damage Control and her legal team visits her and they have an offer for a plea deal, which will which they take and puts an inhibitor on Jen, making it impossible for her to be She-Hulk ever again. Um, and because she can't be She-Hulk, she no longer has a job at the superhero law division and uh, reporters are outside of her apartment and she moves back with her parents because she doesn't have a job. She has to move back in with her, her family and uh, the reporters have relocated there and her dad has a hose and isn't afraid to use it even during a, uh, a, a drought and uh i did want to point out that her childhood bedroom had some some fun movie poster easter eggs there was legally blonde and Aaron brockovich which i think is great on two factors number one uh they're both movies about lawyers but number two they're also both movies of the same era which is an era that she would have grown up in so it like perfectly fits yes and it also makes me feel old <laughs> yes uh, and she also had a ucla banner or something on the wall and that's where the character went to college in the comics so um and uh there's also like a midsummer night stream poster which i'm guessing was like a performance that she saw in college or something like that do you have any theories on why that was there some people i mean had like a devil on it so some people were saying mephisto but no i don't think so I mean, I wonder if it was meant to be like a clever little like Mephisto thing, um, but no, I, I actually didn't notice that. So I, I'm literally just thinking about it right now, and I uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't have any good theories on that. Um, okay, so Nikki works with Jen to try to find out who is behind Intelligentsia, and Nikki wants to find them and destroy them by all means necessary, but Jen just wants to see them, and. Jen's mom shares an embarrassing video of Jen as a teenager dancing. So we finally get the origin of how she learned how to twerk, apparently. And the origin we didn't know we needed, but we got it. And meanwhile, uh, Pug gave an interview on the news saying he dated Jen for a long time and then she's a psycho. Which, what did you think of that, Brad? Because I feel like this feels a bit two-faced uh, and feels a bit much because, like, in a scene before he was like you know anything you need will you know take care of it for you and now he's like on the news like bad mouthing her and then later helps her out people are fickle <laughs> <laughs> i don't know it, it just seems weird to use the character in that way in, in my mind like i don't know uh okay so jen has gotten exactly what she said she wanted she's she hulk no longer or uh, Spider-Man No More. You know, they've done this in a bunch of comics and movies before. Uh, but she has lear she's learned that that's not what she actually wanted. Uh, she asks us, the audience, if this is the story that the audience even wanted. And then we get a narrator that, that begins to narrate the thing, and Jen just shuts him down and is like... Uh, this isn't the sh this isn't the show has not gone off the the, the rails this much. Yeah, and I, I love just how quickly she like did away with it. She's like, no, 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 we're not we're not that far off the rails. Like, don't get you know move too quick. <laughs> uh, so she texts Bruce, who is in his phone as Smug Hulk, which I love, and uh, it's not delivered because apparently he's off planet. And she decides to go to meals to escape. She can't get in contact with him, but. I mean, that, that, that's no surprise. There's no cell service anywhere on his compound. So she decides to go there. Uh, meanwhile, Nikki uploads the college video to Intelligentsia. And immediately, Hulk King like loves it so much that he invites her to a private event tonight. And 
it's clear that he expected her to be a man and not a woman. So she needs to recruit Pug to to go in for her. So uh, Nikki sends Pug in with an AirPod in his ear, and uh, he's inside. But the reception is choppy, which I, I I love that. Like I love when things are set up earlier in seasons and they come back into, into play later. Like the the whole Jen not being able to get cell service, but she gets cell service only a little in the lodge, and it's a little choppy. I love when that stuff like pays off later on. And uh, even in this like little bit here, it pays off. When Brad, when did you realize that the location that intelligentsia was having their meeting at was the same lodge that Emil has pretty much immediately. <laughs> it didn't occur to me for some reason. I don't know why, <laughs> but it totally did not occur to me. Uh, so there's a fun, uh, there's some fun like parody of toxic man babies who like to hate on female driven characters done here. And um, uh, it's almost like they knew what the reaction was going to be to the show before it even was filmed. So, uh, so Todd recognizes pug at the meeting. And it's immediately clear that Todd is actually the, le- it's made clear that Todd is actually the leader of the organization. He's Hulk King. And Brad, I called this, I think, in episode three, four. I called it a long time ago. I just want to say that. So I was right. Um, and because uh, I'm, I'm often not right. So I'm going to take the I'm going to take the the win when when, when I'm actually right. And uh, just after learning that information, Nikki loses reception, which, you know, is good. Good screenwriting. The, score, the story is escalating. Uh, Jen is at the compound, but needs to talk to Emil since he's the only one who would actually understand what she's going through. And she goes to the lodge because that's where he is. And the meeting actually begins in the lodge and they have a special guest speaker. It's the abomination. My question to you, Brad is does the abomination, does Emil even know what the group that he's speaking for does? I imagine because he kind of he kind of says this that he's really just doing these kinds of things to get paid and it doesn't really matter to him. So I don't think that he knows that they're like explicitly doing so much to uh, ruin Jennifer Walters and and She Hulk. Um, and maybe if he does, it's he's just thinking that no harm, no foul if she doesn't know about it and if he's you know getting paid for it. See, I took it as like he's just like a motivational speaker that's speaking for this group, and like it seemed very broad what he was talking about, like motivational speaker, speaker like. And I'm guessing he doesn't even know what the group is doing. It, 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 it was my uh, interpretation. Anyways, Jen walks in, is upset that Emil is breaking his parole as abomination, giving the speech. Uh, Emil says he's doing speaking engagements for profit and it's no, no big deal. And just then Nikki bursts in, bursts in revealed that she, she's actually in an intelligentsia meeting and Todd is the Hulk King. And then Todd, like any big Marvel villain monologues reveals his entire plan. He didn't just send Josh in to film the sex tape. It was really to steal her blood as well, which was a problem I had last week. I, I think I voiced with you, Brad, was I was like, why would if, if they had the needle made out of vibranium, why wouldn't they have stolen her blood when she was out after the sex? And it turns out they did. So uh, Todd injects himself with the blood and transforms into Todd Hulk. And uh, what what did you think of this whole turn of events? It felt like it was going exactly where we thought it would, you know, uh, and it was interesting um, to see, you know, uh, that character, you know, start to turn into um, a Hulk, admittedly one that actually looked better than some of the earlier incarnations of uh, She-Hulk when it came to the visual effects, but probably because they had more time to get it right. Um, and... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, like, it just felt like we were going, you know, right where we had anticipated uh, until, you know, we get a nice change of pace. 
Yeah, I I think then it goes off rails. I feel like at this point I was like, oh yeah, this is typical. But Jen was kind of shocked at this point that this can't possibly be where the whole season of television was headed. Um, and then just then uh, Titania showed up bursting through the wall. At this point, I'm now agreeing with Jen that this is a little bit messy. Abomination saves Jen. And just then Smart Hulk, uh, Smart Hulk smashes through the ceiling, returning from space, uh, sees that Abomination has Jen and attacks him. Uh, so it's the rematch of the century or something like that. And uh, the whole thing escalated really quick. And uh, Jen is shocked at how much of a mess this whole thing is. <laughs> then the TV exits out to the Disney Plus home screen, which is uh, filled with Marvel shows. I guess it's the Marvel home screen on Disney Plus. And She-Hulk breaks out of the She-Hulk tile on the, the home screen and uh, breaks her way into the Marvel Studios assembled tile. Which, by the way, this isn't out of the realm of, like, the comics. She-Hulk has done... She's been on the set of Marvel movies. She's broken out of comic titles before. And, like, Deadpool is broken out of into the writer's room of Deadpool before. So like, this is stuff that like these characters have done before. This isn't like shocking to people that read comics. Um, and uh, with that, she's on the set of behind the scenes interviews and she walks past a man who is being interviewed. And it's actually Marvel prop master, Russell Bobbitt. Uh, I only know this because I've interviewed him on the set of many movies before. And he's talking about, how he was asked to create an Infinity Gauntlet back uh, for 2011's Thor. And um, it's funny that they mentioned this Easter egg because this, is, this has been like a topic of uh, conversation amongst Marvel nerds since, since it appeared in Thor. Because uh, everybody thought that the gauntlet was in the the vault on Asgard, but we later learned in avengers when did when did we first see the or i guess it was in um it was an end credit sequence where he like opens a vault and like puts the gauntlet on and he's like i'll take care of things myself um but that later they had to retcon the whole thing because it was basically the idea was that the gauntlet was created as a as a ploy to make people think that they had the gauntlet and think that asgard had all this power so, anywho, um, so She-Hulk walks out on the soundstage, uh, of the soundstage, and it's revealed that she's on the Walt Disney Studios lot in Burbank. Brad, you've been here before, right? No, I actually haven't. Uh, this, this I've always wanted oh, wow. to uh, be the, yeah, this part on the studio lot, but I've, I've never actually been on the, the Disney Studio lot. Yeah, uh, living in L.A., um, I often go there for movie screenings and stuff like that. So I've been there quite a bit. She she walks by this the iconic building. It um it's a Disney uh, Team Disney building, and it's it's a building held up by the Seven Dwarves. And famously, Walt Disney used the profits from Snow White, uh, which is a big gamble, to buy the land uh, to build Walt Disney Studios, where where this sits. So the dwarves holding up the building is a tribute to that. And um, the building was uh, designed by a famous architect named Michael Graves, who's done a lot of like, if you like 90s architecture, he's done a lot of like amazing 90s architecture. Anyways, um, below it is Legends Plaza, which has one of the only partner statues outside of Disney Park and also has like a ton of plaques of Disney legends. It's kind of like uh, Disney's way of... Uh, walk of fame or something like that they like induct people into disney legends okay uh so she hulk finds her way to the she hulk writer's room where they're trying to hash out the the finale episode that we're watching Brad, how crazy is this that, that we're watching this in a marvel show on on television yeah and i love that they did not skimp in how they made the Disney Plus platform look like it's actually supposed to. Because sometimes you see shows like try to recreate 
you know, simple stuff like this, uh, you know, uh, user interfaces of browsers oh, yeah. or phones and stuff like that. And it looks like crap, but this looks exactly like a Disney plus app function functions and how it specifically functions on an Apple TV. Yeah, no, totally. And in this writer's room actually looks a lot like a writer's room. I feel like when you see writer's rooms in movies and TV shows, it's usually like not a small room with you know post-it notes all over the place but that's typically what it is it's, it's very like unglamorous it, like they usually make it like you know you usually see a writer's room on tv and it's like in a high rise and you see like buildings that you know it's the glamorous version of it um i paused the screen here to to read some of the stuff on in the background there and there wasn't like anything too exciting just some funny things but nothing like totally worth mentioning there was a, a poster of captain america telling it's like a propaganda poster. He's like uh, telling you to, he wants you to put your cell phone away. And this is actually a real Marvel security poster that I've seen on the set of Marvel movies. So it's fun that they, they had that there too. So one of the writers is wondering if they could make the entirety of the second season, one long dream sequence which I think has been done in TV before, right? Like, has there been oh, like seasons? Oh yeah, it's well, I don't know if, if it's like entire seasons, but like it's definitely a, a common and annoying TV trope. Yeah, yeah, that that would annoy me. Thankfully, none of the shows I've do, I've watched has done that. But I think like maybe Dallas or um, what was the one with Paul Newman? Was it Paul Newman? I'm probably thinking of a different actor. I don't know. Anyways, um, so the the writers tried to defend their twist to She-Hulk. And I just love that, like, basically the character from the show that they're writing shows up in their writer's room. It seems like only one of the writers is, like, super amazed at the fact that, like, the person that they're writing is in there with them, like, arguing with them. Uh, but she Hulk thinks that the same, like that this is the same story as every other Marvel thing. And the writers say, you're not going to change that. This is the story that Kevin wants. By the way, Brad, when they brought up, before we move forward, just just to backtrack, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to clarify because I, I I just wanted to double check. It's uh, Dallas is the show that famously had um, a, an entire dream season. It was the ninth season um Dallas. and it ended with the return of uh bobby ewing and that like his death and all the events surrounding it were just <laughs> all of all a dream so there you go there can't be a bigger f you to the audience than having a dream season it's not even um, not even really an f you to the audience but like acknowledgement be like yeah we fucked up guys <laughs> <laughs> okay uh brad when they mentioned this this is the story that kevin wants what were you feeling at this point in <laughs> In the episode i mean i anticipated that we were gonna get a a kevin feige cameo and like she was gonna go straight to kevin feige and we were gonna have a scene with kevin feige in the marvel cinematic universe so to speak i was literally i was in the bedroom watching this by myself but i literally like looked to my left looked to my right and i'm like like is this happening? Is this real? Like, what is going on here? This is this is crazy. Um, yeah, so she wants to talk to Kevin, and it's explained that no one can talk to Kevin. His value is immeasurable. And um, I'll be honest with you, Brad. I I had the mistake of having subtitles on on my first viewing. And in the subtitles, when the writers mentioned Kevin, it was abbreviated. No, K-E-E. why would they do that? I know it's probably from the script. I'm sure they took the subtitles from the script. Well, I mean, it's, so when it's, she said well, it, 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 it said it, Kevin. It, prob- it probably has to be accurate because they are referring to Kevin as you know an yeah. AI robot and not Kevin as a person. So, so I kind of knew that it, we probably weren't going to see Kevin uh feige the head of marvel but uh but still i was still freaking out no matter uh, regardless and um so she hulk storms into the marvel offices on the lot which i've actually been to brad and and i know most of the show is shot in atlanta i think um i don't know if they actually shot this at 
on the lot, but if they didn't, then they perfectly recreated the entrance to the Marvel offices because it has those like Iron Man uh, suits in there, has that Marvel, like it, it looks exactly like that. So I think they probably actually filmed the sequence there. And, um, but you never know. Sometimes they, they just, it's cheaper to recreate it in Atlanta, even though they already actually have it in reality. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, she is told that she needs to sign an NDA before she can talk to Kevin. And this NDA thing is not a joke. Uh, you haven't been to the Marvel offices, but you've been on Marvel sets brad right yeah yes so you signed many of these or at least a few of these ndas in the past yes that's very much they're long they are i'm much like you know uh apple contracts and things like that i don't read them i just i just sign them and assume (laughs) assume i'm not giving up anything uh significant but yeah basically marvel could probably own my entire likeness and use me as a marvel villain and i couldn't do anything about it probably (laughs) <laughs> the the funny thing is me admitting that I've signed one of these contracts is probably breaking the NDA right now, but I have not read that whole thing, so I don't even know. But um, the other funny thing is, like, you do it on this iPad, and they not only do you sign it, but they also take a picture of you to prove that you were the person signing it. So, um, yeah, anyways, uh, it's long. It's crazy. And after she signs the NDA, uh, the, the guy at the – the desk hits a security button, the alarm sounds, and I love that she plows through, like, five Marvel security guards. Like, Disney's actually paying five Marvel security people to, like, hang around the Marvel area just in case someone, like, somehow gets through the studio gates and then gets up to the Marvel level. Like, it seems like it would be hard for anybody even to get to the, you know, it's like a fortress at this point. Uh, but they're, but she needs to, you know, plow through some security, I guess. Um, I will mention that, um, Brad, did you notice that the first guy she's hits is the head of Marvel security? I did not. This, this guy named Barry Curtis. Um, he's the head of Marvel security. And the only reason I recognize him is he's usually there whenever I've signed an NDA on a movie set. Usually like the one like passing out the things. And uh, so she, she kind of plows through him in, in the lobby area. So I thought, I don't know, it's it's cool that this episode not only breaks the fourth wall, but it's kind of like a tribute to Marvel in a way. Like, like it, it, you know, puts the prop master in the background of the scene, puts the head of Marvel security, like, get, you know, it's setting, you know, you get to actually see some of the Marvel offices. I, I don't know. I love that it's kind of um, giving giving a look into the, this kind of stuff, even if if you don't know it. So uh, she uses the eye of one of the security guards to unlock the door to Kevin's chamber. And it's this huge room with screens showing scenes from Marvel movies and shows. A sphere-like robot lowers from the ceiling as three eyes. And the audio description, if you listen to the audio description track, even notes that the, the three eyes have a rim above the three lenses that resembles a black baseball cap. Yeah. There's actually a whole, a... there was an interview that they did. Um, and I think, I think we wrote about this. Um, if not, you, you can look around and find it where they talked about how um, they had a conversation with Kevin about the robot and all the different incarnations they did uh, included an actual baseball cap on the the robot. And <laughs> it was literally the only thing that Kevin Feige had a problem with. He's like, I don't understand why they're all actually, actually wearing a hat and it's like it's like we have this entire ai based around you that's running marvel studios and the one thing you have a problem with is that it doesn't make sense that it's wearing a real baseball hat and he was like yeah <laughs> that that's funny because i the whole time i was watching this i was wondering what kevin feige thought when like they first handed him the script for this <laughs> because i don't know uh but apparently he didn't have a problem with it which is crazy to me um so here we don't have Kevin Feige, the head of Marvel Studios, but we have K-E-V-I-N, which stands for Knowledge Enhanced Visual Interconnectivity Nexus. And um, uh, 
What are your thoughts on this reveal, Brad? I mean, it's it's awesome. <laughs> it's just it's just it's just fun. It's 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 a very entertaining, clever you know way to do something like this. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We'll 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 we'll, we'll talk more as as it goes on as we you know hear more about this. Okay, uh, Kevin will answer all her questions, but requests that she transfer transforms back to Jennifer because. Because it's uh, very expensive to render her scenes as She-Hulk, which I think is very funny. But then he says another joke, which uh, I'm not sure makes much sense. He says, uh, could you transform off camera because the visual effects team has moved on to another project? Which honestly doesn't make any sense to me because according to the premise in this show, the show is still being made, right? So, And she's She-Hulk right well, then. Yeah, that's a good that's a good logistical one. I actually hadn't thought of it like that. But at the same time, <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. It's a, it's kind of like the the spaceballs gag where they're they're watching the the VHS of the movie uh, while they're still yeah it. yeah. <laughs> I'm the dork that I'm the nerd that like gets a, like annoyed by things like that. But anyways, um, I did like that the Black Panther score plays when they mentioned. Yeah, they did the, uh, the, the quick thing of like the 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 drums and like the, and the chant that you recognize from the score. Yeah, so uh, Kevin explains that he possesses the most advanced entertainment algorithm in the world uh, that produces near perfect products, although some are better than others. And um, honestly, that sounds like something Kevin Feige would actually say. Uh, Jennifer says that she's unhappy with the ending of her story and that. Uh, Kevin says that she doesn't get to choose. It's not her show. It's Kevin's show. And this is the at this point, I'm like watching this, Brad. I'm like, how did Kevin Feige approve this? I feel like if I was Kevin Feige, I would be like, this is like some really meta shit of like writers saying that like they don't have control over the show and they're just doing my bidding. I mean, you have to be able to poke fun at yourself, you know, I mean, all this entire sequence and so many of the things that they talk about is, you know, poking fun at all of the the things that people have said Marvel has shortcomings about and missteps they've made and criticisms about what they do with certain stories. So it's, you know, I, yeah. I think if anything, he just he sees he sees the sense of humor and any good uh, creator is willing to to make fun of themselves with things like this. Yeah. Uh, so Jennifer gives a closing argument that claims that Marvel movies always end the same way. Um, I'm honestly surprised they got a lot of this on the air, even though, as you say, it's them poking fun at themselves. Uh, Jennifer argues that her stakes are getting overrun by a big comic book plot, which I agree. Uh, she suggests that Todd doesn't get Hulk powers. So Kevin changes it. Um Honestly, that was the only part I didn't mind. But anyways, um, did you mind Todd getting Hulk powers? Um, I mean, it felt pretty basic. Like if it actually yeah. happened, I probably I probably would have been like, uh, you know, whatever. Like this is that's really kind of like, you know, what they were leading to for this whole thing. But now it makes sense, though, that like this is what they set up just so that they could undo it, which is kind of kind of takes it, it both. It's weird because it feels like oh, it is clever to make you feel like you're, it's leading to all this, the same old crap all over again, to, just to pull the rug out from under you. But then at the same time, like it pulls out, pulls the rug out from under you, but it doesn't necessarily, you know, excuse the shortcomings. And I think my biggest problem with this is that in a way, it feels like they ended the show with something that is, it's clever on, on, on some level. Like it's, it's, it's amusing. It's funny. Um, and it, you know, it turns the the camera on themselves and like, and you know, they're, they're allowed to like self-evaluate, but it also allows them to easily clean it up without really having an actual conclusion to the show. Yeah, no, like I, it, I think that's my problem with like it. it like it well. basically, it basically allowed them to have a very cheap ending without a blockbuster conflict. And, and it's fine if that was their intention, because guess what? This is a legal comedy, maybe first and foremost, and there are some superhero elements, but we didn't want it to become, you know, as formulaic as the rest of some of the other Marvel stuff. And so if that's the case, more power to them. Very cool. Um, but it doesn't change the fact that it, it feels kind of like a 
a cheap fix. You know, it feels like using Photoshop on the ending of a show. <laughs> it does. It, it cheap is the is a good word for it. I feel like I thoroughly enjoyed it, so I feel bad even criticizing it in the least because yeah, I really, like this is one of the best episodes of any Marvel thing, but it does feel cheap after the fact. Yeah, and I and I don't dis, dislike even thinking about it that way. I, I think you can think about it that way, but that's that's probably the more cynical way uh, to think about it. But I I don't I don't hate it, and I you know I still appreciate what they what they went for. It was it, honestly it, no matter what. It's still a bold move, and it's something that Marvel hasn't done before in the MCU. So, you know, I'm I'm all, all for that. Yeah. Uh, so she suggests that Bruce shouldn't show up to save her story, which I agree. Kevin argues that the audience needs to know what he was up to. It was a loose thread, which, good point, Kevin. And uh, she says, save it for the movie. Uh, does this confirm that we're going to get a Hulk movie? Because he doesn't, like, say there's no movie. That's that's true. I suppose that and and that would <laughs> if they if they did like if they did the Hulks as a movie, you know, like the Marvels instead of doing an incredible Hulk movie, that would probably allow them to get around that lingering issue. Or World War Hulk. Well, right? but, wouldn't that be? Well, yes, but the cause I, I think isn't the problem with the deal that like that Hulk can only ever be featured in like a limited number of minutes in a movie before it is regarded as being primarily an incredible Hulk movie, which is why they haven't done a solo Hulk movie. Isn't that the deal? Yeah, that, that is the deal, but also there's rumors that that deal runs out soon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but if it, but it, but if, but if it's still, you know, if it is still going on introducing, you know, having she Hulk and then also another character, which we'll talk about, uh, you know, um, does make it a little bit easier for them to have a Hulk based movie that doesn't necessarily have to feature Mark Ruffalo's Hulk in, you know, most of the runtime. Yeah. Okay. So she changes the scene to daytime request that daredevil show up because, uh, she misses him. And, uh, she goes on a rant about Marvel's obsession with daddy issues, which is something I think we've written many times about on slash films. <laughs> so it's not like an, like a, a new observation, something they've been criticized about for some time, but it, it's funny to see it in, in in a Marvel show. Have we gotten to the uh, the the sex part yet? Oh, what sex part? Where the Daredevil thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of glossed over, it, but yeah, you can talk about it. That was one of my favorite jokes, actually, because it, it goes by so quickly. Where they're talking about Daredevil, and she's like, "A woman's got needs," and Kevin responds, "Historically, something we haven't really done much with." <laughs> Yes, yes, that that was one of the better jokes of this whole sequence. I agree. Uh, that's funny. Uh, so she asks, uh, "When are we getting X Men?" Kevin says, "I cannot tell you that." Which and I, and I also love the look at the camera, like, you're like, see, I'm I'm asking these questions for you. <laughs> <laughs> I will say though that the real Kevin Feige would have had a much better non-answer to that question. Like Kevin Feige's the the. Like the yeah, like Kevin Feige so, would have been like, "Well, I'll tell you, we have a lot of exciting Marvel movies coming up," and he would name some of them, and then he would be like, "And the X Men is definitely something we're looking forward to, and we know that fans are going to be interested to see what happens when it happens." Yeah, who's not to say that they aren't already there? Like he always says something that is like newsworthy enough to make a headline out of, but doesn't say anything. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but he would never say, "I cannot tell you that." He would like. He's just so brilliant. Anyways, um, the, the, I'm just saying that this computer Kevin is not as good as the real Kevin. So uh, she tries to give her thoughts on She-Hulk season two, but uh, Kevin says that she will not have access to him again. They they will fix the Disney Plus loophole that got her there. Um, two things here, Brad. Number one. It always worries me when they open up something like this, uh, something like this or multiverses or things that get, you know, time travel in movies. It, it makes me worry that, like, are there any stakes? Because at any time she could just break out of the Disney Plus tile and then change everything. Yeah. And he, here they basically take that out of the equation. Yeah, I think that that is uh, a very good point, and I do like that they did that because now people cannot ask, well, why isn't she breaking 
you know, the fourth wall and going to do this a different, different way again. Um, and so that's, yeah, that I, I did like that they did that, even if it does feel like it's not, ne- doesn't necessarily, you know, uh, have a solid logical explanation behind it, but you know, <laughs> yeah, it definitely doesn't. Um, and number two, this is the second time they've mentioned season two of She-Hulk. Does this confirm that we're getting a second season of She-Hulk? Um, I mean, at the very least, you know, hints at it. I feel like, you know, every show always has the potential to it. But if there's one thing I've noticed with the Marvel shows so far is that they're not really in any hurry to get new seasons out there right away. The only show that very quickly got a new season uh, was Loki, right? Yeah, I think they announced that, like, right when the finale aired or around yeah. then. Yeah. Well, I mean the cliffhanger, you know, pretty much made it out to be like, yeah. Oh, they're definitely going to have to do a season two. Um, but, but yeah, so, so far Loki's the only show that has like immediately followed up. So I feel like if anything, well, to be fair, a lot of these TV shows set up movies. Yeah. That's, right? that's, like, that's, so that's, that's what I was going to say is a lot of them basically feel like they're, they're interstitials between movies that kind of expand the roster of characters, introduce little tidbits that become bigger deals in the movies. And so they don't necessarily need to do an immediate, you know, entirely new season follow up, but they can kind of just pick the thread up whenever they feel like a character has already done enough in the movies. And they're like, okay, now we can get back to like their own story or something like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I loved her line of Bruce smashes buildings and I smash fourth walls and bad endings and sometimes Matt Murdock. So Kevin says he'll see her on the big screen and she's like, really? And he's like, no. so uh so maybe she won't be in any movies or maybe she will uh so so after all that we cut back to emile's compound during the day and she hulk confronts todd morphing back into jen by the way this is weird to me brad i i hate to get uh stuck on logistics and stuff like this but she hulk shows up as jen shows up as she hulk right to confront todd just to morph back into Jen and tell him that he she'll see him in court. But she does this in front of the police and she's part of her plea was part of her getting out of jail was her agreeing never to turn into She-Hulk. So why doesn't she just show up as Jen and well, not they, appear in front of cops as She-Hulk? I'm sure it'd probably been resolved that there were extenuating <laughs> circumstances of what happened. I mean, there's, there's so much that like, could have happened off camera or like yeah. been, had been rewritten by Kevin, you know, or who knows, like to, to make that easier. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just think it's a little ridiculous. Okay. Anyways. Um, so Daredevil shows up and she's happy to see him. Titania captures the whole thing on camera, which we assume is for social media. Emil, uh, signs an agreement to go back to prison for 10 years for breaking his parole. See, it's weird to me, Brad, that like seconds after she breaks her parole, Emil somehow has to go back to prison for 10 years for breaking his. Anyways. Um, and, and they undo that minutes later, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, so Matt Murdock has lunch with Jen's family and is grilled about how much money he makes. And uh, he says he's just visiting LA for the week. Uh, do you think we're going to see She-Hulk and Daredevil, Brad? In, you mean like in a like a new season or a movie or what? Or in, in that new show, uh, Daredevil: Born Again. Oh, um, I don't it's know. Twenty something episodes. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. I mean, I guess that that makes sense. Part of me wonders if maybe because if it's Daredevil: Born Again, I feel like they probably have to like reestablish this version of the character in the MCU and maybe give him a different background if they're not going to at least if they're not going to utilize his background from the Netflix show, which we don't, we don't know for sure what they're doing with that yet. But if they do that, they could easily do that early on or intermittently, um, you know, going back and forth with present day and flashbacks. So I guess there's, there's probably a chance that we could see She-Hulk pop up. Uh, you know, maybe she'll go visit New York or something like that for an episode, the same way that Daredevil, you know, visited LA and, and She-Hulk. War, Brad, it could be born again because he's deciding to move his practice to L.A. Ah, No, I I don't think that's happening. I don't think so either because, like, I feel like if you take Daredevil out of Hell's Kitchen, people are going to be like, "Uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh. People would be pissed. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I would like to see, like, like an episode or two where he goes and visits her in L.A., though. That would be fun. Um, Okay. Or or, or her going to New York. Or Or, yeah, either way, yeah. Uh, so Smart Hulk shows up. He's back from Sakar, and he introduces the family to his son, 
Scar, who uh, is played by an actor who's not in many things, Will Deusner, uh in DC's Stargirl and Shut Eye. What did you think by the reveal that Hulk has a son, Brad? Well, we talked about this, and we thought it might be a possibility, and uh, I guess it's fine. This is one of those things where I felt kind of like the finale wasn't quite as clever as maybe it could have been because even though they, cause they joked about doing stuff like this and yet they still did it, you know? So like Marvel is pointing out their tropes and like, you know, things like that, but they're also not so far above it that they're going to stop doing it all of a sudden, you know? So it's, you know, I guess you take what you can get. Um, and yeah, so we'll, we'll see what happens with this character. I, it, funnily enough, when I was looking at him, I thought it might be Dave Franco. And then I looked at the credits and I was like, oh, it's not Dave Franco. Bummer. <laughs> yeah. The the other, um, I think the thing for me is I'm kind of mad that we don't get the, all the stuff happened off screen and we didn't get to see like, you know, Hulk learning. He had a son. Well, like, to know. be to be fair, I mean, I maybe don't necessarily write that off because we we have established that you know there is another space marvel movie coming up in the form of the marvels and uh hulk had clearly been speaking with captain marvel at one point because they're in that shang Shang-Chi credit scene uh together um albeit by by way of hologram so but it would stand to reason that maybe they cross paths at some point and maybe, maybe we will find out how all that came to be yeah I mean, I'm sure we will at some point. Um, so, okay. She-Hulk is cleared of all previous convictions. She tells a reporter that if an at- if you attack, harm, or harass innocent people, she's coming after them as both a lawyer or a superhero. Uh, so I think this is a completion of her character arc, although I don't think I ever saw a comp- like her embrace the fact of being a superhero other than her coming to the aid of that person in the courtroom in one of the first episodes? I mean, I guess her embracing her superhero thing comes at the end of the finale by just merely accepting the fact that she was about to have to deal with, like, those fights, I guess, even though she just didn't like how it was happening. Yeah. I mean, she smarted her way out of it, which... Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, And, of course, you have this bit of sexism of the reporter asking you know, who she's wearing is, which is something that she would, he would never ask of a male lawyer. And, um, and the end credit scene is Wong showing up through a portal in Emil's prison cell. And Wong, Wong has caught him. He's been caught up in a new TV series. He uh, blames it on peak TV and Emil steps through the portal to Carmitage where he learns they have Wi-Fi. Uh, Brad, what 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 TV show do you think Wong has gotten caught up in now? Like he's finished Sopranos, is he onto Breaking Bad? That, yeah, that would make the most sense, probably. Maybe maybe The Wire. Maybe Lost. Lost. Which one? The Wire. The Wire. Yeah. yeah maybe uh, the Wire. <laughs> I was a little disappointed in this end credit sequence because, first of all, um, Emil just gets arrested and put back in jail for ten years, like a scene or two before this. And now he's breaking out. Like, what is this even supposed to set up? Like, I don't understand. Like, are we supposed to be happy that he broke out of jail? Like, what What do you think is going on here, Brad? I mean, there's there's got to be a setup for something happening uh, down the road. I don't necessarily know what, but yeah, I'm I I was I was kind of curious about this as well. I don't necessarily know what's what's going on. Maybe it'll be something that is set up for uh, something in a second season of She Hulk. But, yeah, I uh, I don't know. Okay. Uh, with that, let's get into speculation. Uh, before we get into that, I'm going to read a letter we got from Matthew who wrote in uh, the MCU version of Sakaar. Or, no, the MCU version of Scar is obviously very different from the Marvel Comics version in which a very angry Scar travels to Earth in an attempt to kill the Hulk. We only see Scar in She-Hulk for a few seconds, but it seems clear that he's a very different from the comics. He isn't full of rage, but instead comes across as very shy. I think this lines up with my theory that I emailed you guys before about with Scar joining the Young Avengers and replacing the character Hulkling. Now, the big question is, when when will the Young Avengers appear? I have no idea if they plan to make a TV show or movie with the Young Avengers, but 
I think it's going to happen before the end of the multiverse saga. Now that, as I think, now all the Young Avengers characters have been introduced at this point, and one of the more prominent story arcs of the Young Avengers is against King the Conqueror. Oh, so what do you, you think, Brad? What When do you think uh, we're going to see the Young Avengers team up? I don't know. You know, I mean, it's, it feels like it would make sense that they would probably end up being part of the eventual fight against Kang. The thing with a lot of these coincidences and not even really coincidences because it's, it's fully planned to take advantage of the hype around the MCU is that a lot of current Marvel comics usually feature some kind of variation on characters that are uh, coming to rise in the Marvel Cinematic Universe or have a, a significant part to play, but it doesn't necessarily completely match up with what's happening in the MCU. It's just a great way for Marvel to have this like synergy of like, oh, if you like what's happening with these characters in the MCU, you might also want to check out what's happening in Marvel Comics, even though it's not exactly the same thing. So, um, But I do think that obviously with all these characters, there has to be some kind of assembly uh, of Young Avengers, whether it's going to be like a TV assembly like the Defenders was or something that eventually happens in the MCU. That's that's what I'm not too sure about, but I feel like it's got to happen at some point. Okay. Uh, in speculation, uh, where do you think this Hulk stuff is going to lead next? I, I think the best bet is like World War Hulk, but I don't know. Would you make that a TV show? Would you make that a movie? I'm not even sure. I've never read World War Hulk. World War Hulk. I've uh, it's one of my uh, one of the things I've missed in the in the Marvel uh, comics, uh, like the big um, epic crossovers. Uh, what what do you think? What what would you like to see happen with Hulk and Scar and all that? And I guess She Hulk and. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of in the same position. Like I said before, I think it would be cool if there was some kind of like team up thing there of like, you know, the the Hulks being together and having their own thing going on. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's I think it's too early for, you know, to figure out what's going to happen with Scar. Um, and I don't know, like, because the interesting thing about Hulk is that, you know, he's like basically he's one of the only two of the original Avengers who are still around and like doing superhero stuff, you know, it's, it's him and Hawkeye basically. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, I feel like eventually Hulk probably also has to hang up, you know, the, the suit, so to speak. Um, you know, even though he doesn't necessarily have a suit like Iron Man or Captain America, but you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. Also, uh, we know the leader is coming, back in captain america a new world order so maybe that will tie into things in some way i don't know uh what do you think of emil breaking out of prison and joining the carmitage like do you think that's going to be anything that comes back up unless outside of like she hulk season two uh i mean if there is, I don't, I don't know. You know, I mean, we do know that yeah. there was that cl- that cliffhanger for another Doctor Strange movie, you know, involving Charlize Theron. So maybe there's something uh, that will happen there. But otherwise, yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, it it seems. Um, I feel like uh, the first couple, f- uh, the 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 first saga. The first, the the first couple phases, a few phases of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you kind of could see where things were like going, and I feel like here they're moving the chess pieces in a way that I don't, I don't understand why Abomination is at the tournament. Do you know what I mean like it? Yeah. It seems like a weird move to me, but maybe you know Kevin K E V I N has the algorithm, and it's it's all going to come together in the end. So. We'll see. Um, what would you like to see in season two of She-Hulk if it happens? Uh, I don't know, since it, it so much now depends on like what happens with the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You know, like even though these, you know, She-Hulk seems to pretty well stand on its own without you know anything in the MCU really upending it. Uh, I think it kind of depends on what we're gonna see from Daredevil, and uh, you know, if anything is happening with Hulk in in the Marvels. Um, there's little pieces. So, but if anything, I feel like they'll, hopefully they'll, you know, lean even more into like having this, their own identity where it's a show that is, you know, more about Jennifer Walters as a character rather than a uh, big superhero action. I, I just hope that they do 
improve the kind of stories that they're going to to tell and figure out a way to kind of make supporting characters a little more engaging and uh interesting rather than just being like pieces that kind of like move the plot along for uh for jennifer walter's life because i think that's one thing that was really missing from the show is uh i didn't really care you know much about any of the supporting characters in the series um you know even like someone like emil blonsky i was mostly curious just because i wanted to see whether or not he had actually turned a leaf or if he was really going to be a villain or, or anything like that so i think that's one place where she hulk really needs to step up by the way, they set up the fact that he had like like 10 wives or 10 girlfriends or something, and they never came into play at his compound, which I thought was weird. But um, no, I agree with you. I, I'd like to see more courtroom, um, you know, cases and stuff like see more more of that aspect in She-Hulk season two. Do you think if they make a season two, it's going to be as like cameo heavy as season one? Um. Oh, and would you want to see that? I don't know. Would you mean like as far as like bringing in other MCU characters? Yeah, like um, no. I mean, there's stuff. There's a lot of stuff going on in the MCU. You could have, you know. I don't think the like show. Rep- I don't think the show needs to have any more MCU characters popping in and out. I feel like that does a disservice to what they're trying to do with the show. I think the one that I would want to see more from, and because it worked really well this season, was Daredevil. Um, and it might be interesting if that was a gateway to seeing some of the other Defenders characters show up and kind of get redefined alongside Daredevil, uh, which is something that could also happen in Born Again. But I think what I would like to see is, I, I think I would like to see them do something more interesting with the side characters that were like in legal cases throughout this first season, because they just kind of felt uh, goofy and insignificant and didn't add much to uh the show and i i think it would be cool if they were able to maybe get some more uh recognizable names or at least some like uh different day players to play those kinds of characters and have a little bit more fun with them yeah they i think there was like two different types of characters that you saw in this show there was characters where there were like c-list marvel characters like abomination or wong or then you got like what was his name porcupine is that him yeah yeah, Porcupine, like that whole group of character, like the uh, uh, Invincible Man guy. Like these are like, you know, I guess E-list characters in the comics, you know, ca- yeah. you know, the characters that barely have a, a Wikipedia entry for their for their Marvel uh, comics chronology. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I don't like I feel like if you're going to have her represent superheroes, you need to have some superheroes in it. But. I'm not sure which I like better. Do, would I rather see these nobodies that I don't know of, like these comic characters? I mean, maybe maybe you're right. Maybe if they were played by bigger actors, it would give more gravitas towards them. Yeah, um, but then, but then I'm sure one of the maybe maybe one of the difficulties they have with that is I'm sure not every actor out there who is recognizable probably wants to like maybe waste their one chance to be in the MCU on a side character when there's always the potential they could end up playing a significant, you know, superhero or villain sometime down the road. Yeah. I mean, that that's a fair, fair, uh, fair criticism as well, or for, fair point as well. I don't know. I, I don't know what I would like to see in the season two. I, I think I, do, I want to see more courtroom stuff. I want to see it be more about Jennifer. I want to see, um, I don't know. I'd like to see more of the fourth wall breaking meta stuff, but not get too silly. I feel like what's going to happen is they're going to see everybody, uh, all the acclaim for the season finale, and it's going to make the second season be ridiculous with like it being like Deadpool and like her breaking the fourth wall every five seconds. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, we have a bunch of articles up on the site about She-Hulk. Uh, link some of them in show notes. Uh, you can find more of all our work at slashfilm.com. You can find this podcast published on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at peter.slashfilm.com. Please rate and read this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends. Spread the word. And we'll see you on Monday. This is the story of the one. 
As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.